following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. We continue this morning with our reading from Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. Starting with chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, loves your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we dive into the sermon today, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different, which is uh, when we move out here into the sun, which feels great, uh, there's a lot more distractions for me as I preach. So for the first time ever, I am putting earplugs in as I preach. So what I'm going to assume is every joke I tell is just thunderous laughter happening here, living rooms, wherever you are. I'm just assuming. I like that thumbs up over here. So this is just a very strange thing for me to be putting in earplugs to keep my focus, but that's where we are this morning. And as, as we dive into the sermon, um, if you're here with us this morning or you're online, thanks for being with us. We know that it can be a little tricky right now as narrative um, kind of rides the wave of where this pandemic is going. Uh, be paying attention next week because we apparently are getting not only a cold front, but an Arctic front. And as I checked this morning, the high next Sunday is 46. You know, that balmy, balmy 46. So just keep an eye out on our social media, um, on our email blasts to let you know uh, what we're planning to do next Sunday. And also, uh, if you're with us this morning, if you have offering, there's an offering box as you come in or as you leave, you can drop that there. Or you can always give online via our website. There's a little tab in the top right corner that says give. Now, what's really exciting about today is that we've worked our way through Ephesians, and now we've gotten to Ephesians 5. So we've done the first four chapters, and now in Ephesians 5, we've looked at different types of riches to look into say, God richly blesses us. And if He richly blesses us, then what are we called to do with those 
riches. So we've looked at the riches of grace, the riches of the saints, the riches of love. Last week, we, we looked at riches of love. week before that was riches of glory. And we've looked and said, how do those things come to us? And, and to say it's, it's all bound up in our identity of who we are, that as we look at these riches that God gives to us, that we take those riches and then give them away. But it all starts and is rooted not in us using or gaining riches for the love of God, but instead because God loves us, we have not only these riches for ourselves, but to give away to others. And I've noticed in our world today this idea of what we call works righteousness, which is if I want God to love me, I need to keep doing better, which was the whole point of the Reformation was to fight this idea. But that is still around today where we see it in the world of either you need to be morally upright and pure, and then God will love you. Or you need to love your neighbors just a little bit better, and then God will love you. Maybe it's you need to stop cursing, and then God will love you. Maybe you need to love money a little less, and then God will love you. Now, none of those things are bad. And in fact, if you read the beginning of Ephesians 5, if you read the opening chapters, the opening verses, not chapters, the opening verses, as we build into Ephesians 22, you'll see that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says, these are good things to to put away darkness, to put away the old impure thoughts and impure self. and to live as new creation. So as we talk today, I don't want you to think that what I'm saying to you is those things are bad. No, in fact, they're very good. But the problem comes when we put them out of order from where God has called us. That if we put those riches of new life ahead of the riches of grace, and we look and we say, hey, these riches are more important than those other ones, well then we start believing that God will only love us if we do the right thing. And I want to make sure as we talk about submission today that we understand the right order of things. To look and to say, submission is not about domination. Submission is not about one party dominating over another. Or at least not Christian submission. Because Christian submission does not come from a place only of authority or of of lordship, but instead comes from a place of looking and saying, if our identity is as renewed people of God, well then submission comes from that place. Submission comes from a place of grace, not only of obedience. There's a a theological 
term that we use, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak it a little bit so no one feels left out, which is what we call the old Adam. And ladies, so you don't feel alone, we'll also add in there the old Eve. This is that old sinful self in us, that in our baptism, we are washed and made new. We are given this new identity in Christ. And I've said it many times that Luther actually talks about, well then, why when we are baptized do we not just, you know, snap up to heaven, that there we are, we're bought, we're finished, it's done. Well, that's because God looks at creation and says, listen, I love you so much, I want you to be a part of my redeeming work in creation. The most simplest idea is like, to be baptized, someone has to be there to baptize you. So in the most simple terms, we can look and say, yeah, we're not snapped up to heaven when we're baptized because we want to bring more people to baptism. We want to grow the kingdom of God. That's the most basic. But also there's this idea that creation as a whole is groaning and looking. And so for us, we have this beautiful moment where our identity is buried in Christ. But who's with me that this week they did something that was unchristlike? Like that's that's my life. I get up here to preach on Sundays, and let's just pray that I make it to the truck after teardown being Christ-like. We have this old Adam, this old Eve that calls us back to our sinful selves. I love, there's a song that we sing a lot around here called Come Thou Fount. And in the final verse of Come Thou Fount, there's a line that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I love lines like that in songs because that's how I feel. So often it's like a shiny thing catches my eye. If you've ever seen the movie Up, it's the dog who just looks and goes, squirrel, right? Like just something catches our eye and immediately we lose sight of where God is calling. So we have this old Adam, this old Eve in us that is calling us away from the ways of the Lord. What I want to talk about today is to say, well then, if we're constantly being called away, if there's constantly something in our lives that's drawing us further from Christ, what then happens to bring us back? And what can we do to stay focused? And I think our example in Ephesians 5 and 6 today is that we have these riches, these gifts of submission. Now, the interesting thing is that we as the people of God and we as people living today do not like the idea of submission. I mean, no taxation without representation, right? Like, that is us. That's, it's ingrained in our American DNA. We do not submit. Now, I want you to think about this differently, though. I want you to look at this and say, this submission is not about 
being under the boot of someone else. It's not about me giving up who I am. Instead, it's leaning so deeply into my identity as a child of God that it reworks how I see the world. And what we're going to get today from Paul is some real-world ideas of submission that have a very deep context of more than they're just about. And today, as we, as we read, we get these three different forms of submission. It says husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants. So let's start with husbands and wives. Because this is a verse that often comes out that is used to detriment. Because oftentimes people like to read parts of this verse and not the whole thing. Because it says, wives submit to your husbands. Let's read this whole section here. Wives, submit to your own husbands. So first of all, wives, submit to your own husbands. This isn't, wives, you've got to submit to every man. That's not what this is saying. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, this is going to be a little bit of TED interpretation here. But I like that, uh, ladies, you get a little bit more depth. Right? You get, this is how this works. This is how it looks. You get that detail. And at least for me, I love that the next point, Paul just pulls no punches. And it's just like, hey. Pay attention because he ends with, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we get stuck in this a lot of, Wives, submit to your husbands. That we miss out on this simple sentence that's like just a two-by-four across the face for husbands, which is, Husbands, die for your wives. Die for your wives. And for me, I had to read that this week and then preach on it today, which means I have to try and live it throughout the week. And there was much grumbling amongst the people. Because I looked at my own life and I said, Lord, where am I not living sacrificially? You see, there's, it's, it's not just... Wives, submit to your husbands, and that's it. It's then husbands, sacrifice for your wives. So we have a submission and sacrifice. That as husbands and wives work together in marriage, there is submission and sacrifice working itself out in the midst of that relationship. Then you keep going, and it's, children, obey your parents. 
This is the first commandment with a blessing that it will go well in the land. Again, not great at this. Like, because it doesn't put like an end date on it, right? I'm 34. Does that mean I have to stop obeying my parents? Well, you know, I'm adult now. How does that how does that function? But what I keep learning is my parents know a lot. But I think especially when I was a child, how many times did I think I knew better than them? And how many blessings I received from them, from their wisdom, from their love, from their care. And this is a sacrifice and a blessing. And finally he says, Servants, obey your masters. And we really don't like this one. Because it really gets to bond servants. It could be written out as slaves. And it's these types of verses that were used throughout history for people who claim to be Christian to say, no, slavery is fine. But again, they read a part of the verse. Because that first part is, slaves, obey your masters. And the point is, so that you reflect Christ. And it ends with a strong and final command, which is, Masters, treat your servants well. Because the Lord of them is the Lord of you, and He shows no partiality. And so here we have a submission of, and leadership. A submission and protection. And as I was prepping this, I realized this is an incredible triune example because while paul is talking to us about everyday things he is also reflecting the relationship that we have with the lord and he says it up front in ephesians 5 22 when he talks about the bride the church and jesus when he says this this relationship is like this that in fact, as we read, wives submit to your husbands, we look and we say, church, submit to Christ. There are a lot of things for us as a church that would pull our vision away from Jesus and who He is and what He's done. But we are called as a church to submit to Him. When He says, love your enemies, that's not an option for us. When he says, care for the downtrodden, that's not an option for us. Because we submit in everything to him. Because as in our submission, there is a sacrifice that he has done for us. And in fact, as you look at the book of Revelation, it says this, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. The bride of Christ is the church, and one day we will sit in a new heavens and a new earth, and we will declare the praises of the Lamb who was slain for us. 
But right now we proclaim, come. Come find that water, that living water. Come. It means we set aside our own ideas, our own passions, our own things, and instead we submit them under Christ to who He is. There is danger in us trying to interpret Jesus into who we want Him to be instead of allowing Jesus to interpret us into who we were created to be. And so for men and women alike, as we read, wives, submit to your husbands, we read, church, submit to Jesus. All our works and all our ways. Then we keep going and we see, children, obey your parents, for it will go well in the land. And here we get the next part of the Trinity in the Father. The Father who calls us, who created us, and we obey Him, not because it will make Him love us more, but because He has created us in a certain way and fashion to follow Him. Matthew 6, 33, a well-known verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. In this submission of blessing, we submit our ways to the Lord to say, Lord, make my ways your ways. Because we seek His blessing, and not a blessing that just says, Lord, give me more. Lord, I want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But what we find out is that when we submit our ways to His kingdom, to who He is, our blessings transform. Because we find His ways are not like our ways. That His blessings are not what we thought they would be. And so we seek first His kingdom. We obey, not because it gains us His love, but in fact, it works His love into the blessing of our lives. So often we look at the Lord and we create moral and tolerant based views that say, if only I can do these things, then God will love me more. But instead, in the idea of submission and blessing, we say, I am already loved. The Father loved me so much, He sent the Son. I am part of the bride. I am part of the church. I submit to the will of the Father to seek His kingdom first because He wants to bless me because His ways are greater than my ways. And finally, we come to this submission of servant to master. And here we find the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, the master of our lives. And we look and we say, can I submit to Him over my will? Can I look and say, the Spirit guides me because I wish to seek His ways and not mine, that I seek to serve Him and not myself. 
Psalm 18 says this, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in Him. A submission and protection and lordship is good in our lives because the Spirit will guard, protect, and watch over us and we serve Him and no other master. Again, we feel that tension of masters and servants. But we remember the words of Jesus. But Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over you, or lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must first be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man comes not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Submission to the Spirit is the way of the servant. It's the way of following Him wherever we go. And so for us, submission is not about loss, but instead about gain. It's not about rulers and lordship. Instead, it is about service. And in fact, as we read the daily reminders here in Ephesians 5 and 6 for husbands and wives, parents and children, servants and masters, the earthly recognition we have here is this is about submission together. It's not just about one lording it over the other, but instead it turns the world on its head and we look and we say, we act differently because we were first loved that between husbands and wives, it is a co-mingling of submission and sacrifice. Between parents and children, it is a co-mingling of submission and blessing. Between masters and servants, bosses and workers, it is a co-mingling of submission and leadership and protection and guidance. As we read about these riches of submission, we have to step back and say, this is about a benefit to me in an earthly sense and a way of life in a heavenly sense. That we submit to the Lord because we seek to fight our old Adams and our old Eves. It doesn't touch our identity of who we are in Christ but instead, it is about saying, how do we live as followers of Jesus in this world? And we submit ourselves to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To follow where He leads instead of where we selfishly want to go. I'm going to invite Matt back up. Um, we're going to sing a song out of the sermon this morning called, Lord, I Need You. And we've sung this song many times before. But as we sing it today, I'd encourage you, take a moment and sing along, but also take a moment in silent prayer and say, Lord, where do I need to submit? 
Where are you calling me in my life to step away from my old Adam, from my old Eve, and to say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. So we continue with song. Thank you.